the 50th episode of Not So Much The Neutral Zone. Wow. Yay! Yay! Uh, unfortunately, that episode, <laughs> that episode is season 2, episode 21. Hey. I am your host, Kareen, joined as ever by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. For the 50th time, we are here to talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length, although hopefully not at great length because I don't like this episode. <laughs> Again, this is episode 21, Patterns of Forcers. I like to call it Space Nazis. No, 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 no. Nazis in space. Yep. Yeah. So this is the... I don't even know what adjective to use here. Literal Nazis in space. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I... I it's I don't not want to say, like, iconic. It's not well controversial. Well-known. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not metaphorical. No, it's literal Nazis. Nazis. In space. Yep. I mean, they're space? not technically... They're in space because they're on a planet. Alien Nazis? Liter- let's just go with literal Nazis. Literal Nazis. Not metaphorical Nazis, like many other science fiction shows have done, but no, literal, literal Nazis. Nazis. It is a recreation of the Third Reich on an alien planet. A deliberate recreation. Yes, this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it was a choice. I feel like they looked around the costume department at Desilu Studios and I'm like, well, I guess we got all these Nazi outfits so we could do a Nazi episode. Mm -hmm. A very special Nazi episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, again, is a choice. Especially given that two of our main cast members... It, given that the two main cast members who beam down to the planet into this Nazi are actually Jewish men. Yeah. And there's layers upon layers of discomfort with that. Like, yeah. It's very strange. And also a lot of like the historical theories that they do around this episode have since been kind of disproven or disputed. And yeah. I think it was... I think the, the kind of kernel of the episode was, how Nazis? <laughs> and then... I guess trying to spin that into a science fiction story, like trying to explain how the Nazis rose to power. Yeah, I mean, it was about how the Nazis rose to power, but it was also very much about this is why they are completely wrong. And this is why everything they did was terrible. No, it's not a Nazi apologist episode, by no no means. No. It's not even directly like the Nazis were bad. That's pretty much taken as a given. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like, they're like, this is the attitudes that the Nazis had. It was bad. Yes. But that's not even really, like, the thrust of the episode. No, it isn't. It's very odd. It's like, how did this happen? And in this case, it's... So they're looking for a famous historian, I guess, John Gill. He was an instructor at the Academy. Yeah. In kind of... He wrote a very famous Earth history book about... And which apparently Spock is a huge fan of, Mm because it's like, humans are dumb. Basically. Humans Mm -hmm. are terrible for themselves. Um, Yeah. Well, Spock... Spock liked him because when he was talking about history, he talked about causes and motivations rather than dates and events. Yeah. <sighs> Kareen, explain your side. I technically have a history degree. <laughs> <laughs> history for, uh, since the Victorian times, has been about cause and effect mm-hmm. and not the history of great men, which it was traditionally in Victorian times, is that how did things happen? There was a great man and he did a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the rather great than man looking, approach is actually... Yes, it is the great ca- man yeah. approach. And so, like, looking at the society and different economical factors and societal factors and whatever, geographical factors, like that, that has been a part of history for a very long mm-hmm. time, even in the 60s. Um, so this is... Very stupid. But, again, it goes back into, well, I, I guess, guess the, the point of the episode? Yeah. Question, question mark, explanation point? It's like, how do countries get Interrobang? Interrobang. Interrobang. I'm going with Interrobang. Yeah. Because... Like Nazis? Interrobang? That's the new subtitle for yes, this episode. Yes, thank you. So, there are 
they're going to find John Gill, which mm-hmm. is the most on. Un- I guess, considering the history of England, I guess not the most unlikely name for your crazy dictator. But he has been quiet for six months. He's gone to this planet. There's Echo. Echoes. I don't know what the root of Echoes is, although I'm sure it comes back to German or Nazi somewhere, because the other planet is called Zeon. Yeah. So subtle Star Trek writer. A lot of the names in this episode are just backwards. Yeah. yeah. Like, Except Egan for all of- is Gene for Gene Roddenberry, yeah. I think. Um, and all of the... The Zeon characters yeah. have really, really Hebrew names with, with that are backwards or with funny spelling. No, that are backwards. Well, one of them is called Abram. And yeah, which is name, Abraham backwards. Yeah, but yeah. the what's his name is basically called Isaac. Yeah. So they're not super subtle about this. It's like these guys are the Germans and these guys are Jews. We got that, thanks. And if, if you know, you weren't sure about it, let's give you another few smacks across the head with the clue bat, just in case we're being too subtle with the Nazis. <laughs> Like, again, cannot emphasize this enough. They're actual Nazis in, like, Nazi outfits. They use a lot of real footage Mm -hmm. of, like... Yes, I was going to ask, was that the actual footage from that film? All the crowd scenes. You see Hitler in, like, a drive-by motor car. Um, and they they pick the shot where you don't actually see his face straight on, but it's like it's the half. It's supposed to it's be a face. It's, it's a face yeah. that you know. It's, it's a Hitler. face. Yeah, it's yeah. clearly Hitler. And they all the crowd scenes were real footage. Yeah, for sure. they were all from. Um, I cannot remember the name of the film, but the filmmaker was Lenny Reichenstahl. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. so, I think that's correct. It, it is. I think so. Yes. But, uh, Triumph of the Will. There yes, we go. Yes. Triumph, Triumph, of the will. Triumph of the Will. Which is yeah. scary. Yep, terrifying. Oh it yeah. is I had to watch scary. that in film class in university, and it's creepy. Like it's. Technically, kind of beautiful in some ways, but the the like it's really terrifying, terrifying, and, and horrible. Yeah. So basically, the, the the layout here is that there are two planets that are really close to each other. There's Zeon and Echos. Zeon um, was more advanced and peaceful and sort high of tech. high tech and sort of pacifistic, but you know that doesn't really come up till later. And Echos was warlike, primitive, and mean lived in anarchy. They are mean. They are mean. So. Um, John Gill has been, it's unclear how long he's been on this planet, but it must have been decades because one of the no. main characters grew up knowing him. I, one of the guest characters. No, I think that he was only there for five or six years. Well, it wasn't also, that long. Well, I guess it didn't really take that long in real life. Yeah. So, okay, fair enough. Period, but he's been out of contact for six months. In real life, it's the period between World War One and World War Two. Yeah. So I feel like the fact that he's been quiet for six months, what were his reports like? Six months Those ago. Those must have been amazing works hey of fiction. Hey, guys! So I've been on this planet for a little while. I accidentally got myself elected as a fear. Don't know what that's about. Um, Found a whole bunch of these weird Nazi outfits, and I guess we just have to use them. I've sort of figured that he's... Because all of the information they have about these planets is from Gil. So I figure he's been writing highly sanitized reports that are just sort of like archaeology, like... Or anthropolo- anthropological reports, like, oh, well, so this is Echoes, and this is Zeon, and they're like this, and just not giving any of the current events politics stuff. But here's the deal. But I can't think of any other way that they, they wouldn't send a starship, like, six years ago. Just to kind of check it out. So what the fuck are you doing? Because in order for them to get, <laughs> forgive this, full-on Nazi, mm-hmm. like, that happened way longer than six months ago. Yeah. So this has been going on, and he's been lying about it in yeah. his report. And this thing that gets me about this episode is he was liking, he was trying to, like, what, make the... He was trying the, to unify them. Unify yeah. them and make them more efficient. 
why not use some sort of local symbol as a unification and not just be like, here, have a swastika. Yeah. Because it's everything about the Nazis. Yeah. It's he just didn't do perfect. He just didn't do like the overarching political journey of it, which is awful to start with. Yeah. yeah. But he chose all of the outfits, all of like the guns are the same. Yep. Um the hats, the boots, he gave the buildings. Him, like, a, a Third Reich starter kit and said, go. Like, like giving a five-year-old a chemistry set. They have the same cameras. Yeah. yeah. Like, and is shocked. Yeah. Shocked that it turned out the way it did. Who would have thought? I mean, did it ever happen in history before? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, everything about Nazism and why they were kind of able to very... Well, one theory, very, very quickly rise to powers. But when you give them someone to hate and when you give them someone to blame, mm-hmm. that they, they feel will, better about themselves. They will, again, that's kind of what he wanted, to unify mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But you're unifying them in the hatred of another people. Well, what he says, you know, in the five seconds he actually has dialogue. To explain episode, himself. To explain himself is that he was trying to create a, a benign Third Reich without all of the bigotry. And but like, you can't. You can't. There is no benign Nazi party. Because... At its very core is hatred of the other. Yeah. And... Only a middle-aged white dude would think there was such a thing as a benign Third Reich. Yeah, I mean, we are currently in the midst of this. Yeah. Um, down oh, yeah. in the States. Is There's that, a really funny moment later that I want to wait till we get to, but okay. it's like, this is very currently relevant. Oh, yeah. It is. But essentially, you're, you're unifying all the people like you and... Mm-hmm identifying an enemy. Yep. Yeah. Or multiple the, and enemies. The, and the enemy is the cause of anarchy and the enemy is the cause of economic failure. Yep. And the and the loss of face on an international stage and that there is corruption coming from that enemy. Yep. Well it's like except historically it doesn't work. Like ultimately this fails. Like it didn't work with the Nazis. It didn't work with the fucking Roman Empire and Christian purges. I listened to the British History Podcast, and he's very mean to the Romans, rightfully so, because he's like, surprise, surprise, piety does not fix overarching economic problems. <laughs> it's funny true. thing. But if you give some, if you give people someone to mm-hmm. blame, yeah. which it's currently happening right now in a yep. political situation, yeah. people can feel good about that. Yeah. But when you blame someone, you hate that. You hate them. And yeah. then the next logical step is to kill them yeah and everything that they stand for because once you do that then all of your problems will be solved yeah Yeah, obviously it's i don't this john gill person is a moron is a moron yeah and deserves death Mm -hmm. yeah he's not a he he may be a good historian but he's not not. not. but he's not good at putting anything into practice or looking back on history's mistakes. Well, that makes him a bad historian. That makes him I a terrible historian. Okay, fine then. He's a bad historian. He's. I only yes. have half of a history degree, but yeah, I'm a bad historian. I have taken one history class, and it made me go, "Oh, I should have taken a history degree." <laughs> Bad historian. Strong disagree. They're approaching this planet. They're getting no response from John Gill. Shock. Mm. And suddenly there's a spacecraft coming. Oh, it's a drone with a nuclear warhead. Oh, this planet shouldn't have nuclear warheads or drones. And then it tries to blow them up. So they have to blow it up first. Mm -hmm. 
At this point, the captain is like, I should definitely take myself and my first officer yeah. in direct confrontation what he said the episode before. Yeah. Yep. And beam ourselves down to this planet with no... We, we can't be in contact with the ship because they might try and blow us up again. So... So... We'll they, just be radio silence and be okay with it. Except... Except. Okay. Except, I was excited except. about this for about three seconds until what happened later with them, but... He's like, okay, so we have out of contact, so Bones, give us subcutaneous transmitters. And at a certain point, I was like, holy Amazing! Crap. Progress! Yeah. Where have you been keeping those? This, yeah. in, like, 90 sci-fi, is super common. It's like, excellent, great. You're, you've got an emergency measure to get yourself yeah. out of trouble yeah. if you need it. Except later on, they end up taking out the subcutaneous transmitters, so it's all null and void. And no also credit. not using them for communication. No. Yeah. And they can only they can only talk to the ship every three hours. Because of reasons. Guys, you're a spaceship and you already blew up one warhead. Surely you could do yeah. another. So, uh, so question, quick question. Mm-hmm. Um, when they are beaming down, they are wearing some nice um, generic oh, yeah, civilian clothes. Talk to that. Were these the costumes that they wore in Gu- the Guardian of Forever episode? I believe so, yes. It was like straight up like a... Kirk, I think- was, Kirk was in like a Canadian tuxedo and Spock. <laughs> yeah had like um he's uh, got the same hat i think it's a different beanie sweater or jacket but everything it was a big sweater it's like a big boyfriend sweater for him yeah those jeans do not fit shatner at all they do not no they are baggy and gross and like he has got butt to fit to so like (laughs) costume department of the 1967s screw you or they were the pair that he stole from a clothesline from somebody else in Guardian of Forever in mm, the 1930s. No. So he's just kept them in his clothes. But I really like. I loved Spock's giant sweater. Yeah, it was great. Mm. It was a really, really nice one. Yep. Um, so they beam down. Um, still no response from John Gill. And um, they beam down. They're there for about a minute and a half. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, this dude comes running out of a side street. He's like, they're run, run, they're right behind me. He looks like a greaser rid- like, well, they, yeah. of the outsiders. And they yeah. duck around a corner just in time to see literal Nazis. Nazis run this guy down and beat the crap out of him. And you can see both Spock, even Spock, but Kirk's face while he's watching this happen is like, is that? No, it can't be. Is that, holy fuck, they're Nazis, what is going on here? And this is all just in Shatner's face. And I was very impressed. He does a lot of acting in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some very weird drumming that happens. But what I really... Weird drums. Like, yeah. weird drums. But anyways, what I really appreciate about this episode is that that little interaction right there was, like, everything yeah. about petty Nazi cruelty in one go. Yep. I'm going to beat you up. You're beaten to a pulp. Now lift up your arms. Now keep lifting up your arms. I will shoot you. Yeah. Like, just so you can't touch anything. It's It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's everything. That's the whole spectrum right there. It was awful. And they drag him off. Mm-hmm. Probably just be summarily executed as far as we know. No, 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 it isn't. But at this okay. point, you're yeah. just assuming, oh, he's going to be dead no, in 30 seconds. No, we love this guy. Yeah. This guy is later amazing. On, later on. But as <laughs> yes. far as we know, at this, it's like everything's telling us, oh, he's going to be mm-hmm. dead in about 30 seconds. And Kirk definitely wants to interfere, but Spock says, no, it's the non interference directive, which comes and goes. Yeah. yeah. Also, has been drastically violated at this point. Like, I don't think any more interference could make anything worse. And then we get to see, like, the... (laughs) Worst case scenario, you turn the planet into actual monsters. I feel like this planet is probably taught at the Academy as, like, this is why the Prime Directive. This right here. If you were wondering, Nazis. The answer is Nazis. It escalates very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get to see the Ecosian equivalent of Times Square on a giant screen showing a 1930s film reel. Yeah. 
yeah, about how great Nazi Ekosia is. It's like almost, yeah, it is very much Times Square. Like, here's a message from here's, our sponsors. Here's a giant screen that yeah. is actually kind of... It's neat. It's odd because it's not a 1960s thing to have giant screens in public. That was very, that's very futuristic. So it's interesting. I know that they only had it so they didn't have to get them into a place where they could see a television screen. <laughs> but if you think of it as sort of like prescient, it's really interesting that there are all these big outdoor public screens. And they keep talking about things like the final decision. The final like, solution. Oh, the final yeah. solution. Oh, and then it, it, it finally flashes up that the Fuhrer is uh, John Gill because of course it is. Of course, course it is. This is embarrassing. And Kirk is very disappointed in mm-hmm. him. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they... Short story. They meet a dude and knock him out to steal his uniform. Okay. I love it. I, I like this trope a lot. This I always is, enjoy this. They do this like nine million times in this yeah. episode. But twice Every really... other scene is them chopping a soldier on the shoulder yep. and stealing his uniform. Mm-hmm. But they have to keep doing it like three or four times because... to steal enough uniforms for everyone. Yep. Their plan is stripping. Yes. Yep. I actually thought that was a little bit funny. I mean, in the context of, oh my god, Nazis. But uh, they hit one guy so that Spock can get a uniform. And then they use, like, the, oh, he's my prisoner trick to get yeah, another guy they who, use get, his prisoner who has a fancier guy. uniform. Yes. And, because, of course, yeah, the sure. fancier uniform is for Kirk, so yes. he's higher up in the organization. Because Spock, Spock is actually a little like, you propose we pass ourselves off as Nazis? There is a lot of stuff here. I love that they're like, oh, that helmet will be good for hiding your ears. Mm-hmm. Wink. <laughs> uh, that helmet hides a multitude of sins. Yeah. But also, when Kirk gets his outfit, Spock says to Kirk, you yeah. should make a very convincing Nazi. And Kirk's face? Yeah. yeah. That is a sentence to say to uh, anyone yeah. alive. Yeah. It's Ooh. very... That was uncalled for, Spock. Very strange. Yeah. Of course, they try to sneak into head Nazi station because they're trying to, like, talk to John Gill and get an explanation. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is fair, but he is, like, the Hitler equivalent. Like, is the explanation the most important thing to be getting right now? Well, I mean... Well, I think they're trying to, like, address things. I think that was How just How would you start that step. conversation? So... Um, Nazis? What's all this, then? Yeah. Just, just sit down with a cup of tea. So, anything you want to talk to <laughs> us about? How are you feeling? What's been going on for the last six years? This is like a performance review. <laughs> yes. So, what do, you, what do you think of you been your greatest triumph? <laughs> oh, no! And, and your, uh... You of know. the will. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and no. so, yeah, so, but they actually get, they meet the only intelligent guard in alien Nazi Germany who's like, wait a minute, take off your helmet. And so he removes his helmet and he has funny ears and a sassy look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, the first, the, this was a little awkward and uncomfortable because the first thing he says is that your color looks strange. Yeah. Because Spock wears really pretty subtle, sort of slightly greenish tinted makeup most of the time. It's usually not noticeable at all, and I usually don't notice it at all. He's paler than everybody. He is paler than everybody. Yeah. But he wears slightly green-tinted makeup to sort of just make him look different from everyone, just mm-hmm. a little bit, just subtly. And, you know, the Nazi guard who has been trained to hyper-vigilance when it comes to ethnic differences notices and goes, hmm, and Kirk's like, oh, well, he got hit over the head by a, I mean, a Zeon. Mm. And then he gets suspicious because he's the only intelligent guard on the, in the universe. This guy is very genre savvy. Yeah. And 
Someone had to be. I hate to say it, but he's pretty good at his job. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a shame his job is being a Nazi, but, you know. Uh, I feel uh, So they get bad. caught, and they get thrown into Nazi jail. Okay, okay, okay. We need to deconstruct everything about this <laughs> <laughs> So, first of all, they're in prison. They mm-hmm. are both shirtless. Yep. yep. Uh, okay, we need to go further and deeper into this. <laughs> Nimoy is shirtless. Yeah. He is a fuzzy bear. He's got a lot going on there. <laughs> there is... I, I was so uncomfortable. I had to, like, shield my eyes a little. Like, oh, yeah. I you, no, thank you. You and I have had the body hair conversation at some point. Yes, we have. Where I prefer them a little more non-hairy, but that's just, like, a personal preference. Oh, no. No, Kim, I do not like a lot of hair. That's why I like Shatner, because he's, like, beautifully waxed. Yes. Um, he, you could lose down that. Somehow I just don't picture Vulcans having chest hair. Right? Yes, they're very smooth species. I assume they're smooth everywhere. <laughs> they grow beards. Especially in the hot climate of Vulcan. They shouldn't have excess hair that to keep them warm. That doesn't right. really hold up a, even on Earth. Yeah, but they're aliens, so we made assumptions. <laughs> okay. I, I, well, assume they're, I assume they're smooth everywhere. Vulcans yes. grow beards. They, they don't even have, like, toe hair. No. Vulcans they, are smooth. They, they grow Vulcans beards. are smooth. They've got hair on the head. And quick yeah. eyebrows. And that's, that's it. Strong disagree to both of you. <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> also, unrealistic beauty standards are bad for everyone. Well, I'm not saying it's unrealistic. It just came as a bit of a shock. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I found it shocking just because it's Spock. Yeah, and he's like, not wearing a shirt. Or, like, a wimple. Like, you don't a expect wimple. Spock. Like, you don't imagine a, a Vulcan, period, but Spock especially, like, wearing board shorts on the beach. And this was, like, worse than that. Do they ever get naked? Vulcan? They must yeah. occasionally. They must occasionally. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just kind of... No, no, no! T'Pol definitely gets naked. Ugh. Let's yeah, not talk about that. Count. I'm just... I just... I, there was something very shocking about this. And it was just... I well, was taking it back. He's very, very modest. Mm-hmm. Like, you well, get the impression yes. that... Well, it's like, even in Voyager, there's um, Vol- uh, Vorik who hangs around for a little while. And, like... He'll put on a Hawaiian shirt. That was shocking. He had naked arms. But it's buttoned up to the yeah, top they, collar. They do like, seem very, very modest Vulcans. Like, yeah. there's a lot of layering. Yeah. Well, because a they don't, like, a lot of draping well, lot to of drapes. body shape. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, they're trying to sort of, you know, de-gender segregate people based on their bodies, which makes sense for the Vulcan philosophy, but it's just... With, Spock doesn't have a shirt on. Why doesn't I, Spock have a shirt so on? It's so strange. Yeah. It's so, just really shocking. And again, whipped with the least convincing whip of all <sighs> well, time. Well, it's like they were covered in paint. They were yeah. covered in lipstick. They, it's well, like, in Spock's case, green lipstick. Yeah. To, yes. to make to make it look like they had like cuts and stuff on them. It yeah. was like paint or lipstick or whatever. Yep. So they'd hit them and they'd have these green streaks appear and you're like, oh, that is paint. That is not blood. It, I mean, like I mean, a little bit. Well, because they spend a lot of this episode without their shirts. This is yeah. like a good 10 minute shirtless. Yes. Which of course for Shatner whole... ain't no big deal. Yeah. But again, like Spock being shirtless and them like wrestling and climbing on top of each other. I was like, this is very sexual. I do have have to it's say like the though, of a parody porn. I enjoy yes. the high waisted pants on men, like the like from the from like the 1910s through like the 1960s. It's because they look like duelists. Yeah, I yeah. just like the high waisted. So I was really into Nimoy's pants. <laughs> okay, Kim is into Nimoy's pants. Yeah, um, but like shirtless Spock next to 
And again, Shatner is glistening. Yeah. Glistening yeah. with sexy sweat and covered in what 100% looks like. They just took a thing of lipstick and like smeared it in lines over his Well, I think his what back. they did is they put the lipstick on um, the imaginary the whip. whip and then... So it must oh, have no, actually no, no, hurt no, no. a little... Well, no, at least no, no, once no. they do the whip yeah. and it appears yeah. as it comes up. They put like so, paint or something and they went... It was, it was very, very strange because yeah, again, they're being whipped with... And just kind of standing there like... Oh, slight breeze. They weren't chained to anything this time. They no. were handcuffed. No, that was very disappointing. I thought I thought of you, and I yes, thought, like, yay you. for And the- this is the scene where I was like, oh, shit, they're both Jewish actors. Because <laughs> I had forgotten. I mean, Nimoy, but I actually didn't know that Shatner was Jewish until really recently, and I just sort of had the second round, like, oh, there's a whole other layer of uncomfortableness right now. Well, the other thing that got me about this episode is this was in the 60s, so this is only, like, 20 years yeah. after the war. Yeah. And it's still, it was still probably really fresh for a lot of people. It didn't air in Austria or Germany, if I remember what correctly. What a surprise. Um, but I get why a lot of science fiction would be trying to deal with how did this happen. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it, I think even for us, except if you're looking down at the political situation down in the <laughs> States right now, you... It's so hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. And in speaking of specifically Nazi Germany and where this doesn't quite gel is that there was not a lot after a certain point of pushback from German people. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a huge organized resistance. Your average person, your average citizen mm-hmm. didn't object and didn't fight back. And I think things with um, is it a, the prison experiment mm. mm-hmm. that in and around this time, everyone was trying to grasp with how could your average person go along with this, yeah. go along with this philosophy, which from the outside seemed so very, very evil, but for them was benign and, 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 and it could happen to anyone. Yeah. Like yeah. there was that fear that if this, if the circumstances were just right, or if it was a great man or. Well, it's also that like. For most people, most of what we consider to be morally acceptable is based on what everyone around you considers to be morally acceptable. Yeah. And like, oh, well, if literally everyone I know has no problem with this and doesn't think this is a big deal, well, it's fine. Well, it, it, it's, the, it's like the, the psychological experiment they do with like the, the bystander effect. Oh, yeah. That unless someone comes and stands up and says, and says this is wrong, that most people will just stand there doing nothing mm-hmm. um, because of fear or because of whatever. But or because it isn't affecting them directly. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting to see, like, how they were trying to grapple with this. But I think, like, to your point, Kim, it was only 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. You would have actors and you would have had people on set who had fought, fought in, in those war. wars. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's... Like, and, I think a lot of the, the cast on, like, the male cast, Chatner and Nimoy may have been just too young at the time, like just yes, a little too young to be. But again, their families Please. probably were affected by this. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of like layers of uncomfortableness, but it is a fascinating episode in that way. Yeah, to see them trying to grapple with this in a science fiction universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also science fiction's for. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean. I don't, there, there is an episode of Voyager. It's a two-part episode where the Herogen, who are like this hunter species, take over Voyager. 
and are using the holodecks to explore all the different ways of violence on or something on Earth or in the mm-hmm. Federation. And one of the ones that they twig on that they seem to enjoy is Nazis. And there's a holodeck program set in France. And it's the Herogen playing the Nazis. And it's, I don't remember it very well, but I think it also sort of explores these issues of power. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so, a very weird whipping scene. Yes. So here's about where I start to lose track of which Nazi is which. Well, there's the there's the secretly good Nazi. There's the good at his job Nazi. Mm-hmm. Do we see good at his job Nazi again? Uh, I don't think we do. No. no. I I couldn't. Keep, I honestly could not keep them straight. Like there was they have too many outfits. There were too many of them. They all kind of looked alike. There's like five people in this episode. Uh. So the the guy who comes and interrupts the uh, torture session is the party chairman. That part I'm sure about. Yes. So this is like the VIP Nazi. Is this the chancellor? No, he's no. He's the party chairman. That's the title he's given. And he starts um, talking about explain your weapons. Which at this point I'm like, they brought their phasers. They brought their phasers and they lost their phasers. Yeah. And their communicators again. 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 Like guys, you were just on a planet where that screwed up everything. Like, why wouldn't you put those up your bum? (laughs) Um, Accessibility (laughs) issues? Really? But again, like, that way no one would get it. Yeah. You wouldn't be constantly losing them and putting them into alien hands. Okay, but if you needed to draw in a hurry... I honestly do not know the logistics of that, but I'm assuming (laughs) it's possible. So, he basically comes in and he's like, okay, so stop torturing them. Um... I want to question them later. I want them, what did he say? Let their pain argue with them. And the guy who's leading the interrogation is like, that's not policy. If we're supposed to question them and then kill them, the next step is kill. It says right there, <laughs> right there in the manual. Um, and he's like, look, I'm giving you an order and I'm a Nazi. Maybe you should do what I say. Yeah. So they're left in their prison cell to, you know, foment rebellion, naturally. And we are left to wonder if they're going to be shirtless this entire episode. And Kirk yep. says, Gil was the kindest, gentlest man I ever knew. For him to be a Nazi is impossible. He's really freaked out by all of this. Obviously not impossible. Obviously not yes. impossible. <laughs> you are sitting in a recreation of Nazi Germany. And like, how else would they get that? Your friend is the Fuhrer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here's Isaac who has, is the guy who they saw getting captured earlier. I completely missed his name, and I was just calling him Z for the whole thing. I think it might have been Itzik or Itzik. They had, they had like a, you know, oh, it's no, it's actually an alien name, but yeah. it's Isaac. Okay. Um, and he's like, so what the hell's going on? Who are you? Um, and he basically gives the background. It's like, we gave Echoes their technology. We gave them our technology. They hate us because... We thought they were civilizing them. Yeah. Which kind of blew up in their face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... So basically, they violated the Prime Directive, and guess what happened? Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, they hate us because hate is the only thing holding them together. Yeah. At which point, Kirk Oh, he asks, also, sorry, he also says, most of my people are pacifists. We won't fight back, so we're probably just going to be killed off. Perfect. Great. Kirk then asks, hey, hey, do you know the plan of this jail? Why would he? Well, Do you know the plan of your local jail? Well, he is a freedom fighter. It's not out of the question. How we don't know, know he's a freedom fighter. At this point, we don't know he's a freedom fighter. He was fighter. just a guy on the street. Hey, That's true. Kim, do you know the uh, building outline floor plan for Canada Place? For Canada Place? Yeah. Yes. I, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> you forget how many conventions I've been uh, to. The, and uh, Kingston Penitentiary? No. 
No, that's a crazy question to ask. I know. Mm-hmm. That's like, a crazy question to ask. And here's where uh, Kirk and Spock plan a jailbreak using the crystals in their subcutaneous transmitters, which never at any point get used for their intended purpose. For I'm really angry about this. No. Yeah. That um, didn't make any sense to me. Like they're no. digging like they're they're digging them out of their arms with a piece of bed. And I'm like, but how are you gonna use them to communicate? Well, with people? it's also a very careless bed design. Yes. It's a very careless bed design, especially in a prison. I think they, they are essentially shanks. It's a bed made out of shanks. I don't think they're like like two way transmitters like radios. I think they're just like they can find them at any time. But probably not after but they, they can't. dig them out of their arm, break them, and then turn them into lasers with the light fixture to sure. break the jail. At which door point open. Isaac Isaac looks over and is like uh, are you trying to kill yourselves? That's a fair <laughs> can, question. Can I also say That's that cool. I thought there's the scene where, like, Kirk is letting Spock climb up onto his back to yes. actually do the thing. The humor was inappropriate. But it was sexy prison humor. No, it was inappropriate. Like, they shouldn't know. have used the wacky music. No, the wacky music was inappropriate, but I actually thought their acting was pretty much on par. It was it's funny. Like, yeah, it was funny. But it wasn't, like, ha-ha, too funny. The music took it over a little unfortunate place. I didn't place. mind because Kirk was crouching and making And he his was annoyed. Face. Deep question, where's the guard? Yeah. Well, apparently, because they lasered the door open, Kirk yells, I've had enough, I'll talk, I'll talk, because this is not the smart guard. No, there's only one. And he comes one. in, because Spock has snuck out to hide around the corner because you want to have lots of easily hideable alcoves in a jail. Yes. So that he can sneak up behind him and Vulcan nerve pinch him so they can steal his clothes. Again! Again. Um, and... Kirk is... Uh, so Kirk is dressed up. They free Isaac. Isaac yep. apparently does know the layout to yes. this jail. Because and they're gonna go... They're gonna go get their communicators and their weapons. Yeah. And... At this point, Spock is still shirtless. Yep. Oh, yeah. He's just wandering around Nazi jail shirtless. So they take him down a corridor and there's another, like, Nazi there. So Kirk kind of, like, barges into him and says, ah, scum. Um, and pickpockets him. Yeah. Which I super liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really ingenious. So they go to, like, the lab to go see and find it. At which point, the guy who was pickpocketed goes to open another door, goes to his pocket of his uniform, goes, huh, my key isn't here. Immediately is like, holy yeah. shit, I've been pickpocketed by those jerks. Draws out his giant machine gun is is going to enact some revenge on behalf of his keys. <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy jump. Yeah. yeah. If I couldn't find my keys, I'd be like, oh shit, like where did I put are they in my other pocket? Like, did I put them here? Were they in his pocket though or were they like on his belt? I don't care. The last thing I would think is, oh, the person who bumped into me pickpocketed. Well, but me. they literally he literally Closed the door, locked it, walked five feet down the hall. Like, yeah. Did I drop them? Well, you would have heard them drop. Like, I don't know. I, I thought I it think, made sense. That, I think like, the person who this bumped is into just another smart guard is pretty plausible in this particular case. This is like the smartest planet we've been. <sighs> no, no, taking no. it back, taking yep. it back, taking it back. Uh, I also noted here these Nazis just walk around with their guns drawn at all times, which is very unsafe. They're also not speaking German. No, no. Maybe John Gill didn't actually speak German, so he couldn't teach it to them. Ugh. Where, where's your authenticity, John uh. Gill? So, um, in the lab, they find their communicators, but the phasers are, of course, not there. Mm. Um, but they've been all taken apart, and Spock's like, I think I can maybe fix them. Do they ever actually find the phasers? I don't no. know. They're, le- they're 
they never find them, no, so they're just gone. in the hands of these guys. Yet another culture that's going to be oh. magically catapulted into becoming Starfleet Academy, which apparently, I looked it up, is what happened to that planet that Spock, uh, that um, Bones left his communicator on. Yes, that yeah. one gets its act together. This one, I feel like, cannot. No, I think they're doomed. Yet, so the bluffed Nazi doesn't stay bluffed, because he comes back to the lab and finds them. Um... And they escape with yet another nerve pinch clothing stealing party and descend into the sewers. I actually like how they escape from this one. They put Isaac on a stretcher and like, yeah, like, oh, getting rid of all those bodies, which like, fuck. They walk him out the back door and the guards are just like, oh, do you remember? No, one of the guard clearly looks at the other one and mouths, what? (laughs) Yeah. They do, they, they do some sort of throwaway lines and some really horrifying things like, oh, we're killing him so fast, we can't keep him in the building. Yeah. And when they're sneaking into the lab, the excuse that Kurt gives is, oh, well, he's going to be experimented on. It's Spock. a lot of, like, jolly Nazis. Yeah. Which I guess, like, I guess was there to... If you're going to explore the issues, you can't make it so... Especially because it's Star Trek, right? You yeah. can't make it so serious. Well, also... But the things that they throw away, you're like, yeah. I'm sorry, what? Although yeah. it's just occurred to me that that stuff wasn't really in the public consciousness at this time. It, it would have been. But it wasn't, like, discussed casually. It wasn't, like... No. I and even making throwaway been. references would have been kind of... It was, it, was, it was... Serious business. Mold, shall we yeah. say. It was mold. Um, so yeah, they go to the secret resistance in the sewer, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they meet Isaac's brother, Abram. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at which point, we get another fucking horrifying story where he's like, oh, oh yeah. by the way, I don't know what her name was. I did not catch it. I don't it. remember if they gave oh, her Oh yeah, name. they're like, by the way, your fiance's dead. She was horribly murdered in the streets. Enjoy that mental image. Oh, she no. lived for five yeah. hours, yeah. and they walked past her and spit on her the entire like. Holy yeah. shit! That's yeah. Like, was that necessary? Well, they, narratively, uh, I mean, at least they didn't sugarcoat the Nazis. Well, no, of course not. But I don't yeah. think we can sugarcoating them up to this point. It's just this episode is a weird mix of like you serious business historical yeah. badness and weird campy hijinks yeah. yeah with your fun fun times music going on it's this we it goes back and forth the entire time and i think it's just because it's such a hard subject to explore that if they had made this a serious episode i don't know if it would have got on tv no it definitely wouldn't have but my note here was that like it's already serious business. It doesn't get more serious than Nazi Germany. No. We already know people are being indiscriminately murdered. They are literally going through the capital city and yeah. killing all of the Zeons they encounter. Did we really need to add violence specifically against a woman to make it, like, more bad than the worst? Like, you couldn't have an actual dead woman's body as a prop on screen, so you had to do it off screen? No, I think it's just all about stake raising and again showing the callous callousness of it. I and felt like it had been no, done already. And the callousness of strangers is that no one on the street would help her, mm. even though everyone knew that it was wrong. Well, yeah. Well, they said that people just walked past spitting her, and no one stopped. But then they also specify that our people couldn't get to her. Yeah. Which makes it even worse because they knew she was there. They knew she was yeah, dying. Yeah, they were helpless. And they couldn't do anything. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it was... A, I think the stakes were already raised about as high as they could get. No. Mass genocide is yeah. already as high as it can get. But it's to get to this point 
about the resistance. After all that, they're talking about, oh, we need to go, we need to go kill him. And they say, if we adopt the ways of the Nazis, we're as bad mm. as the Nazis, which is the point of that story. Yeah. Um, I like that it gave, what's his name, Isaac? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gave him the entry point into turning into a vindictive mm. killer. Yes. And he resisted. Yeah. And I think that's why they have that story. Yes. Is that they have to show that in order to defeat this great evil, you can't become evil yourself. I think that's what they're trying to say with him. Um, I'm reading a book right now um, about an American whose girlfriend is killed in a terrorist explosion on a plane. And his solution is... I'm going to go to join the CIA, become the best spy ever, and kill a lot of people. And this is, like, the opposite reaction to that. Yeah. 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 Hey. Yeah. It's, it's very, very interesting. And I think that, because the next person we meet is... Did not get her name. Uh, Daras. Okay, so this is interesting because they're very suspicious of Kirk and Spock. Maybe because they're still wearing Nazi uniforms. Yeah. It's not like, a good entrance. It's not a great the entrance. Point, the point, the thing, though, that we, is we've seen this blonde before, but we, yes. we didn't mention it. But on the screens in the square, mm-hmm. you see her being very proudly and regally presented with an award for killing... For turning her own father into the party. Yes, exactly. For being a resistance fighter or whatever. Yeah, except that was apparently his idea. To both protect her and to get her into a position where she could actually do something. So we meet her for the first time because uh, Spock needs a quiet place to see if he can rebuild the communicators. And everyone's sort of skulking around behind them, whispering behind their hands. They're wearing Nazi uniforms. We don't know who they are. They're super untrustworthy. We definitely can't just go along. Which is all reasonable. I wouldn't trust them either. Um, So then... There's a Nazi raid, apparently, mm. and Kirk and Spock immediately defuse things by taking, like, I think they knock out the guard, and Spock grabs her, mm-hmm. Daros, and Not puts a gun Not before she shoots Abraham. Yeah. Straight up murks him. Yep. Yeah. But, no worries. It was, it was a, a test. Trick. It was yeah. a test to test, see whether yeah. they were loyal or not. But they know they're aliens because Spock is very clearly an alien. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Um, they're not from around. At which point, Kirk is forced to disclose the fact that, by the way, the Fuhrer is actually an alien from my planet. Mm-hmm. Our bad. Irony. Yeah. I love her reaction. She's just like, holy shit, this changes everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're not huge fans. <laughs> no. no. And after all that he's been saying about, oh, we need to keep our race pure, blah, blah, blah. She's like, he's an alien? An yeah. alien? An From alien? outer space? Yeah. She like, puts her head, hand in her head, and her head yeah. in her hands, and so it's all very They sad. concoct a uh, kooky plan. It is kooky. It's very kooky. They pretend to be reporters following Daros. I think she's like undersecretary or chief secretary of the party. Some important position with secretary in the name. I don't remember. Um, and they're supposed to be covering her because there's a big party tonight at HQ to launch... This is like a genocide launch party. <laughs> oh god, it is a genocide it is. launch party. It is, it is literally. It's going to be the formal declaration of war. Um, and uh, and the Fuhrer is going to announce. Guess what? We're sending our space fleet to destroy uh, Zeon. Yeah. Woohoo! Have some champagne on me. 
Um, but they're pretending to be reporters covering her at the party, and that's how they get in. Yeah, they're going to be a film crew. Yeah. A special documentary party. Yay! And they just also, once again, blow past the guards with, yeah. the, like, the most bizarre excuse you've ever seen. Well, it's a very bright light, and they're blinded. They are. There's a moment. The light. They're There's dazzled. Some, yeah, very dazzled. Um, they get into the party, and they're like, okay, where is he? When when does the Fuhrer come in? And she's like, well, he doesn't. He broadcasts from that highly secured booth over there for security reasons. Yeah, that sounds completely legit. When don't you think? Pre- when they are pretending to be a film crew, Kirk has that camera, like, right, right in her face. Yeah. Essentially, you'd only get her chin. Yeah. Yep. He's a terrible documentary filmmaker. Yeah. So they get to peek, a- they peek into the booth, mm-hmm. and John Gill is alive? Question mark? He's sitting upright and his eyes are open, but he does not look okay. He is not moving, mm-hmm. and so Kirk is like, well, either he's having some deep psychosis, or, like, meditating, or maybe he's sick. Maybe drugged. But how will we know unless we beam McCoy down, who also gets to dress up as a Nazi? Yay. Oh my god. Poor Uhura, who is on the end of that phone call, where Kirk is like, I'm gonna need you to send McCoy down. And also, I'm going to need you to dress him up as a 1944 Nazi. Mm-hmm. I like that. Is this the first time that they've talked to the Enterprise since getting down there? Yes. yes. There's no explanation. There's just send down McCoy, send him down dressed like a Nazi. And Bye! And Oprah's like, uh, oh, okay, oh. sure. And uh, then, yeah, and he, he says he may be drugged, hypnotized, or psychotic. That's an interesting set of uh, possible diagnoses. Um, he's so desperate to believe this guy isn't just an asshole. And I feel really bad for him. Because it's like, buddy, he initiated Nazi Germany on an alien planet. He's culpable. Yeah, kind of a faux pas. A little bit. They beam down into what can only be described as the biggest coat room of all time. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's huge and accommodates five adults. Yep. Yep. And uh, Bones doesn't plus, even have plus, his boots on. Plus three, yeah. three Nazis in plus the door. Three Nazis. Yes. Because they're discovered. And Bones is there for maybe 30 seconds, doesn't have time to get anything explained to him at all. He doesn't even have both his boots on because. I really like Spock, who's like, point your toe, shove your foot in, and pull. This is yeah. how you put a boot on. Ugh. Yeah. So they listen to the speech where it's. Well, no, no. Okay, here's how the bad guys burst in on them because they're searching the building because they traced Kirk's uh, transmission. And they burst in on them, and Kirk's. Immediate explanation is, oh, well, he's drunk. Which Bones. is usually the ex- Which is explanation usually, for McCoy. Yeah. Because McCoy has no idea what's going on. He's been here less than a minute. And and now he's like, why am I dressed like a Nazi, Jim? Why are you telling the Nazis that I'm drunk, Jim? Why are there Nazis, Jim? He actually does not have that moment. No. He doesn't. He's just, like, he's just nope. like, he puts on his drunk face mm-hmm. and, and done. leans against someone. Yeah. Done. Acting skills, done. I mean, good. But, like, what yes. the hell? Yeah. So the Fuhrer gives the speech exactly the way you would think he was, except that his mouth doesn't move. He's, yeah. like, propped up behind the biggest microphone yeah. you've ever yes. seen. But one very effectively covers the lower half and of And the, the contents yeah. of the speech are not important, because you can probably imagine them. I just wrote Nazi, 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 Nazi. Well, even though the thing is that Kirk even says, they say this speech yeah. doesn't make any sense. So here's... It's they're not, just yeah. random sentences strung together, which technically is all speech. <laughs> and I wrote... The way that they describe uh, the Fuhrer's speech here could be a word-for-word left-wing, like, uh, left-wing American media description of the way that Trump speaks in public. Make America great again! Yeah. Build that wall! I hate brown people! Don't you wish you could just have as many guns as you wanted? None of these things were necessarily connected to each other, but they get people to cheer. Yeah. And it was chilling. But I will... There's, there's part of the speech, the only part of the speech that I want to talk about, when they talk about 
we need to keep our body pure for the uh, the body works for the good of the being and i think everyone here should read the book on immunity is this the disease metaphor it is the disease yeah. metaphor which i was like hmm it all makes sense which is essentially that when you start talking about a country as a body, people start seeing immigrants and people from the outside as disease coming in mm-hmm. to infect the body. Even so if they're people who've been there for centuries. But it's a, it's a metaphor that yeah. causes us to think this way, and, and mm-hmm. the language there is very important. Mm-hmm. Also, they do so much hailing that their arms must be sore. Oh my gosh, they're just like, literally, they've shoved a room full of men and say, just do some Nazi saluting for a while. Over and over and over again. It's okay. Yeah. So who is the guy? So once G- John Gill's speech ends, yeah. the guy who stands up at the front, is yes. that the party chair or is that the no, chancellor? No, that's the chancellor. Oh God, there's so yeah. many people. The in chancellor is Malacon. Yeah. He's like the second yes, Mal in his name, so you know he's yeah. bad news. Yeah. yeah. The other guy, the guy who finds him in the cloakroom, who's in charge of that group of guards, is the same guy who, like, stopped the interrogation earlier. He's the chairman. Because he's secretly good. Yeah, and everyone sort of looks at each other and goes, I can't believe he didn't recognize us, because he's definitely seen Kirk and Spock before. And Isaac's like, oh shit, is he on our side? And I just didn't know. It's because they work on a cell principle, so they yeah. might yeah. not actually know that each yeah. other are resistant spiders. And spoiler, probably yes. Although we yeah. never actually have it confirmed. So they... Somehow break into the Fuhrer's room, which does not have as much security as it should. And no, they run up and they um, they subdue the guards again by chopping them. Yeah, Ugh. guard chopping again. The only th- the only difference time this time is they don't steal their uniforms. That's yeah. true because well, they're already they're not full naked. Up. Yeah, yeah. And so they go over to John Kill- John Gill and pump him full of drugs. Or no, mm-hmm. he's already pumped full of drugs. They do other drugs to kind of try and wake him up. Mm-hmm. Spock does a mind probe, and the answer that he is given is insufficient, Mm -hmm. I would argue. Yeah. That Germany was the most efficient state the world ever knew. Strong disagree. Um, oh god. But, and Kirk is like, Ah! <laughs> what the hell are you thinking? No, no. They had to be destroyed. Yeah. He's like, no. If I could run it benignly, it would work. At which point Kirk is like, Why? They were Nazis. And he's like, no, it worked at first, but then that bad guy took over and drugged me. Oh, yeah, it was just one bad guy. The the whole, you know, underlying mentality of the culture wasn't the problem. It was just one bad guy. Kirk's reaction. Kirk's like, why? That's not how society works. At which point he attempts to shake this old man to death. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, they, yeah, Kirk's argument is basically, what the hell were you thinking Nazis? Yeah, there's some kind of diversion, but essentially Kirk just drugs him until he's like, explain yourself, this is insufficient. Throws him yeah. back on TV. Yes, at which point Spock starts getting... Oh yeah, oh. this is their distra- distraction oh. tactic. They sort of like, they take Spock to Malacon, the bad guy. He's like, so you're an expert in like, you in eugenics, can you explain why this dude is racially inferior? And I'm like, oh. It's my favorite subject. Settle in. Yeah. Oh, he mm. wants Spock's body kept for the cultural museum. This is very freaky. It is very, very creepy. On several different levels. And then we switch back with that, with Kirk beating up an old man. Yes. And then I think... And Malcolm's been drugging him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when the Nazi state went wrong. Uh, but anyways, he kind of like gets his act together long enough to make a speech to say, this Malacon guy is a, and I quote, self-seeking adventurer. Yeah. 
There's a difference between an adventurer and a mass murderer, I yeah. would argue. Big difference. Yeah. Big. Big difference. Large. Yeah, it, like that is a path you can take there, but... And apparently, this speech was all that was needed to reverse the entire path of their horrifying genocidal culture. But, okay, he denounces Malakon as a traitor. Malakon grabs a machine gun yep. and shoots up the booth. Yep. I like his 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 solution to this is not that many people heard that right. Yeah. <laughs> not even the spaceships which he ordered to turn back. And then yeah, and then Isaac shoots him mm-hmm. and dying in Kirk's arms, Gil is like, "Oh, I was wrong. Non-interference is the only way. And then he dies. Well, no, he also says historians don't learn from history. I would argue that you You do not learn from history. Terrible historians. And let the killing end, he says. My favorite part is how after this happens and everyone who needs to be shot has been shot, everyone who's left goes, great, excellent, we're fine now. No. Guys. We need to stop the blood we need to stop the bloodshed and bury the dead, and this'll be great. And then Kirk, as he's walking out of the blood-soaked room, yep. is like, well, I'm sure they'll be a great addition to the Federation. Wow. What? I, yeah. I, All you needed to do was kill that one guy and everything is fine. Yeah. And then Guys. our quip off is that. Oh my god. Uh, So, uh, what he said, the problem wasn't just that Nazi leaders were evil and psychotic. Though they totally were. Yes. It was basically absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm. But it wasn't... The two that they came up with were, power makes people play God and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they don't... But Spock is like, okay, but what about the people who just decide to seek the power in the first place? What's making that happen? And both Kirk and Bones are like, no, that's not it, Spock. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. This episode. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I guess they did. What's the, the, is it the A-team where there's Colonel Clinker or whatever his name is, who's kind of like... That's, um, no, Colonel Clink is in um, Hogan's Heroes. Okay, and he's... I've never actually seen it, but... (laughs) No, but, like, the funny Nazi? Yeah. I don't think we want to go there. No. No. Uh, yeah, and again, like, we learn nothing. No. That I think most people should learn already is that we should never attempt to recreate Nazi Germany. It's always going to go the same way. Oh, yeah. See the news. Yeah, okay, so, uh, Ari, your count? Uh, six confirmed ladies, um, although probably a bunch more in crowd scenes I didn't count, uh, three people of color, astonishingly, you know, not a lot of people of color in alien Nazi Germany. This there was not a lot of people in this episode. Period. No, there I weren't. think that they spent all the money on the costumes because there were Probably. very few extras. Yeah. Although there was one lady in like a beautiful stole when she was going. Oh, in that green the, and, and yes. black striped thing. Yes, that, that was, was an amazing nice. dress. Good costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim, your count. Oh God, I don't even know how to approach this. So okay. one person that we know of for sure died on screen, and that Two was did. John Gill. John Gill and Malcolm. 
Malacon or okay. whatever his name was. Yeah. So two people died on screen. And we don't know what happened. Whatever the body count from all of their previous torture and killing was, which... Lots. I didn't even want to do a, a no, death count for this no. episode. This it was, was off screen anyway, and we don't yeah. actually have confirmed numbers, so... Yeah, it's just it's bad and awful. wrong and horrible. Uh, so life lesson, Kim. Nazis are bad! I think we can all very strongly get behind that. Ari? That was pretty much mine also. I don't... Yeah. I would... There's no such thing as a benign police state. That's true. And blaming one specific group or nationality or people who are not like you for all of your problems, it isn't... Stop. Usually their problem. Mm-hmm. They are not the cause and effect of it. it. There are a lot more factors at play. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone should go read On Immunity. Okay. Or... What was another good war book? I, don't, I Honestly, I have not read a lot about the World War II. Just because I don't want to. Yeah. There um, are better later, I mean, they use metaphorical Nazis, but later franchises of Star Trek did this a little better, uh, a little more cogently, and didn't have funny quip outs at the end. Like, I feel like this should have been one of those Actually, ones. yeah, that's going to be our life lesson, is if you are doing an episode about Nazis, skip the quip out. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good, a good one. one. Yeah.